ETL Echo presents Lost and Found by Kiona Miko. Chapter 4 That night, after a surprisingly pleasant day, Draco slips under the sheets of the princess's bed. She doesn't protest or make a fuss, just slides underneath and lays with her back facing him. He thinks to quip in some regard about Granger staying on her side, but thinks better of it. If he makes a ruckus about the situation, she might try resolutely to stay away. And really, was waking up pressed against her so terrible? No, thanks very much, it was not. It was delightful, to be completely honest. It was also, since we're on the subject, pretty nice when the witch nearly toppled into his lap while reaching for her parchment. Her hip had been trim and firm, palmed in his hand. Her curls, unruly as ever, had tickled his neck and face, curtained around them and making the situation that much more intimate. What would it be like, his mind had wondered during the day, to look up into her delicate face, her mane trapping them and their breath mingling between their lips. He had envisioned it quite vividly throughout the evening, enough so that there was something akin to anticipation when it came time to retire. Could he facilitate another morning wrapped up with her? He experiments, edging closer, only an infinitesimal amount. She doesn't move. Her breath stays even. Can he feign sleep well enough in case she wakes? Draco has a lot of faith in his own abilities to sneak, scheme, and bullshit his way through life. He was sorted how he was sorted for much more than blood purity. In the back of his mind, he thinks he should be wondering why he is suddenly so interested in Granger, but really can't be bothered. Malfoys live by desires and instinct. Why shouldn't he want her? She's quite lovely, now that he takes a second look. Who wouldn't be drawn to her creamy complexion and the freshly shagged look of her hair? She's petite but curvy and altogether a very fit little package. Beyond that, she's smart. Yes, of course, her swatty tendencies and know-it-all behaviors can be irritating on a good day, but Draco likes a witch with a clever mind and a sharp tongue, both of which Granger boasts in spades. She's also very bold, and in Draco's limited experience, that can translate well in the bedroom. Pansy, for instance. He'd not actually slept with her, and she had been technically untouched at the time as well, but she never shied away from giving orders and asking for what she wanted. He found it quite alluring, the way she would demand to be touched. In his fantasies, Granger is demanding as well, in the most delicious way. Inching just a bit more, Draco turns so he is on his back instead of facing away from her. This is the first step in Operation Spoon the Fuck Out of Granger. He's biding his time, letting her fall more deeply into sleep. Not terribly sleepy himself, he thinks he can wait it out. Just a bit longer, and he will turn to his side, facing her back. Then it is just a matter of edging closer, of eventually throwing his arm across her waist. Before long, he can cuddle right into her and relax. It's not like he's going to really try anything with her asleep but he had never felt more comfortable than when he had held her close, his body bent around her smaller frame. The bed shifts beside him, and Granger snuggles deeper into her position. Her bum grazes the side of his thigh as she wriggles beneath the sheets. Draco waits, breath held, anticipating an embarrassed apology or even a defensive accusation. Neither comes, and so Draco assumes that means she is well and truly out. Now is the time, he thinks. Carefully, eyes closed to facilitate the facade of sleep, he turns to his side, one arm under his head, 
and the other draped on his own side and hip. Granger makes no change in breathing or position. One last step, one final movement, his arm reaching gently over her waist and... Success! Operation complete! Draco is spooning the fuck out of Granger. With a contented sigh, he shifts carefully just a hair closer and settles in for the night. His face tilts down, nose just almost brushing the skin of her shoulder, and promptly falls asleep. Daughter, my lovely princess, are you still enjoying your slumber? Hermione's eyes snap open at the sound of her father's voice, and she scrambles into a seated position. She glances over to find Malfoy staring at her with very wide eyes. She is more than aware that up until the king broke the silence, they were once again locked in an embrace, Hermione feigning sleep. Does her partner realize he had held her close, his breath ruffling the curls at her neck? Probably not, but Merlin, it had been indulgent. Um, just a moment, father. She tosses the covers back and plants her feet on the floor, then looks back to find Malfoy looking panicked. Just stay here, she whispers. Where is that darling lamb? I hope he has been a pleasant companion thus far. She squeezes her eyes closed. Fuck. All right, new plan, she amends quietly. Where's the pelt? Looking around, a bit frantic, they finally spy the gilded fleece lying on a chair near the bed. With a sigh of relief, Hermione snags it and tosses it at Malfoy. Oh, just lovely, she calls back. He's been such a dear. You must thank the merchant on my behalf when he returns to collect him. She is watching the fleece as it is wrapped around Malfoy's neck, he looking both sleepy and also disgruntled. What a picture he makes, hair a bit of a mess from sleep, the collar of his shirt slightly askew, and a painted carcass perched on top of his head. She snickers. What? He bites out as quietly as possible. It's a good look for you, she whispers back. Very chic. She only giggles harder when he tosses her a two-fingered salute. Without waiting for him, Hermione leaves their private enclosure, circling the screen that hides her bed, to greet her father. She looks away when she finds that he has one hand palming Cho's hip and the other settled underneath Lavender's breast, his fingertips almost touching the underside. Therapy. Lots and lots of therapy. Morning, she grumbles, feeling less jovial, and making her way to a low table with water set out for her and her entourage. Ah, my flower. More beautiful every day. Lucky is the man who finally wins your hand. Yes, she agrees dryly. Any prospects? Alas, none. The last attempt was weeks ago. Poor lad, only sixteen. And now look at him. No head. Hermione grits her teeth. This is the most awful fairy tale she's ever heard. Who wrote this rubbish? Little lamb, her father calls in a sing-song voice, looking toward the room divider and hoping for a glimpse of her borrowed pet. He turns to her to ask, It's friendly, isn't it? Please tell me that merchant didn't dare present my beautiful princess with a wild beast. No, no, she's quick to assure. She knows it's only a story, but even in the room she doesn't wish to see Gilderoy lose his head. He's very sweet, really. The king waves his hand, gesturing as though to send her away. Bring him, then. Let's see this very sweet lamb. Right, um, lamb? She clears her throat, feeling even more ridiculous. Please come out, little lamb. 
When Draco emerges, he looks every bit as disgruntled as before. This time, Hermione doesn't laugh. She's feeling equally put out. Bah. All right, but that's funny. Hermione giggles just a moment, a split second, and would swear she sees Malfoy trying to hide a smile. Ah, delightful. Well, go on, then. Hermione looks at her father, and he is still making those shooing motions. Give the deer a little pet. Such a clever animal, coming to you when cold. Hermione looks at Malfoy with wide eyes, and he has the nerve to smirk at her. She walks closer, her back to the king and her ladies, and pleads with her gaze that he not make this too awkward. When she's close enough, he whispers low, Go on then, Granger. Give me a little pet. Her cheeks flame as his smile grows wider. Oh, you are such a... She cuts herself off, looking back at their audience, and tries again. Such a darling little beast. Beast is hit especially hard, with just a bit of malice for seasoning. Gingerly, she reaches forward and strokes a hand down the pelt just over his shoulder, his look all the while smug and infuriating. Yes, yes, I see. What a dear creature. I am so glad he could bring a little life into your days. Hermione thinks letting her out of this prison would be a more obvious way to accomplish that. The demonstration over, Hermione visits for a few moments with the king, Draco wandering off for the duration of that conversation. Within a short time, her father seems satisfied and makes his way to the wall that hides the exit. Have a lovely day, my treasure. Hermione sighs with relief once he's gone. Draco whips the pelt from his shoulders immediately, and Fo Cho exclaims in surprise, Oh, I may never grow accustomed to such magic. The merchant is surely a warlock to cast such a spell. Draco throws Hermione a look, and they share a moment, amused and indulgently smug. Day two, then. What should we do? Draco rolls his eyes, but it's accompanied by a crooked grin. Well, we have so many choices, Granger. However will we choose? Hermione answers with her own smirk, eyes rolling to the ceiling in mock exasperation. Just trying to pass the time, Malfoy. How about breakfast? He asks. My treat. She can't help but grin in response. Maybe even the tiniest giggle slips through her lips, aware she is growing dangerously accustomed to his banter equal to how familiar she is becoming to waking in his embrace. It won't do, getting so comfortable. Once this little assignment is over, she's sure he will run right back to his snake pit, perhaps into Daphne's bed. They seem close. The thought itself isn't as sobering as her own emotional reaction to it. Not good, Hermione. She best keep her silly little grain of a crush in check. Breakfast, she agrees with a nod, but the light has dimmed in her expression. She crosses to the table and begins to fill a small plate with some odd breads and fruits, not noticing the slight frown of Malfoy's expression. Granger seems oddly quiet for a while, barely speaking through breakfast, then hiding away on a chair in the corner with a book. She had mentioned yesterday the books held no real interest for her. Has he done something wrong? Draco thought they had been getting on oddly well. Morning, in particular, having been his favorite time of day. He's just about had enough, ready to drag her out of the chair and ask why she's pouting, or whatever the hell this is, when she laughs like an insane person, alone and with no audience but a book. Care to give us a hint as to what's caught your fancy? He thought to sound playful, but Draco can admit his tone is bitter. He's been sitting by himself for hours after all. Playfulness is in short supply. 
She looks up at him as if she almost forgot he was in the room. Draco doesn't care for that in the slightest. He's not a forgettable wizard, thanks ever so. In fact, Draco thinks he's pretty fucking memorable. Sorry, she says, and it seems oddly sincere, as if she's afraid he finds her laughter bothersome. Draco rises from his seat and saunters over, standing just behind the back of Granger's chair to look over her shoulder. His eyes scan the page a moment, aware Granger has stiffened a bit, but doesn't move to close the book or hide it from his line of sight. It only takes a paragraph to realize what it is. He snorts, getting the joke. Our fairy tale, he notes. So how does it end, Granger? I hope it's not one of those tragic tales that end in one of us losing a foot or a head. She flips to the next page, head tilting as she looks from one side to the other. Then the princess, according to their understanding, began to clean her wings with her bill, and the lad said, She who cleans her wings is the princess. Now the king could do nothing more but give her to the young man to wife, and they lived together in great joy and happiness. She looks up at him, neck craned to peek just behind and above. Well, there you have it. Our little ruse will work, it seems. Right, he agrees, plastering on a crooked smile. And it appears I shall have you for a wife. I wonder how long this plays out. Will we get to experience some joy and happiness before the room kicks us out? He wriggles his brow at her suggestively. With slightly pink cheeks, she looks back down at the book, hair falling like a curtain around her. I'm sure the room knows better than that. Her voice has an edge he doesn't recognize from the fairly plain-spoken witch. Frowning, Draco moves around and perches on the footstool in front of her chair. He tries to appear casual, but his tone is serious. Knows better than what? Refusing to return his gaze, Granger starts to flip through the book absently, obviously not reading, but simply looking for distraction. You know, knows better than to trap us here that long. We've probably only been here a few minutes, Granger. I'm sure Jane wouldn't leave us trapped in here for days. Just an illusion. She snorts and agrees. Right, illusion. Regardless, I'm sure the room is fully aware that joy and happiness is the last thing that might come from trapping you here with me. Now that's just uncalled for. I think I've been fairly pleasant company, actually, he argues with a petulant frown. Finally, she looks up, eyes a bit wide. Oh, no, you have. I just meant... I don't know what I meant. I'm just sure there are a thousand witches with better heritage that you'd prefer to be trapped with. Better heritage? Fuck, Granger, you think that's still a priority for me? After what I've seen? Draco leans away, feeling nearly struck. Has he not made an obvious effort to make amends? Perhaps obvious isn't the word. He never formally apologized, but he's most certainly been nothing but civil to, not only the witch before him, but every other student at Hogwarts, blood status be damned. She shrugs, looking a bit like she's given up on something. People don't change that much. Evolve over time, sure, but you don't just give up on a life philosophy that fast. It wasn't fast, he argues, now the one to look away. It took years. Taking a chance at meeting her gaze again, he focuses hard on her face, forcing her to do the same. You have to know how much you affected that. Me? How could I continue to believe what I did, growing up with you, watching you learn magic just like the rest of us, learning it and becoming one of the most powerful witches I know? 
It didn't just happen, Granger. It started on the express, when you asked me if I'd seen a toad, and you were so blasted confident I wasn't sure how I'd never met you before. Finding out you were muggle-born, and therefore off-limits, was the first in many of life's disappointments. She's staring at him, looking dumbstruck. Draco feels suddenly uncomfortable, scrutinized. He tries for levity to change the subject. So what else does this story say about our time here? Do I stay all three days? No incidents? Granger shakes her head as if to clear it, and looks back down at the book in her lap. Right, um, well, as you know, I fall immediately in love with you. Plausible, he quips, answered by a good-natured roll of her eyes. Then, apparently, we spend our days chatting and caress- Oh. She cuts off, looking embarrassed. Well, I suppose the room is allowing a loose interpretation of the fairy tale. A slow grin crawls across his lips. Oh, I don't know. We're chatting now, after all. And caressing might be a slightly strong word, but there were some intimate touches this morning. Her eyes are wide and she gasps out in accusation. You were awake? His smile has evolved to an absolute leer, smug with lips curled. And you've just confirmed you were as well, little lion. She tries and spectacularly fails to cover a shy smile with mock irritation. Draco doesn't want to push his luck, as it were. He nods at the book once more. And beyond that, does the king employ his treachery, turn you into a bird? She skims further and snorts. Absolutely. This is the most asinine story I've ever heard. Because muggles don't know how magic works, obviously. She glares at him and agrees with emphasis. Obviously, since they aren't allowed to know about it. Because they hunted us, Granger. That was centuries ago. Draco looks at her, completely incredulous. And you think it would be different now? Do you have evidence to support that? Muggles are open-minded and forgiving. All bigotry ended. No. She agrees, holding his gaze and continuing with a punctuated, There is certainly prejudice everywhere. How had they come back to this? Apparently his apology was not enough. Not here, he argues softly. Not in this room. Look, Granger, whatever happens when we leave here, right now I want to assure you that I don't think less of you in any way. Not your blood, your gender, your appearance. There is nothing you shouldn't be proud of. My house? Draco sputters for a moment, then catches her biting her bottom lip, a smile threatening to stretch them wide. With exaggeration, born of relief, he concedes. Well, of course that. House lines run deep, which... She laughs a little at that, and Draco thinks this is a turning point. He made a joke at her expense, tame though it was, and she found humor in it. This is how friendships are built. Suddenly, the possibilities are endless.